0: Chapter Twenty Five of the Frozen Pirate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barbara Dirksen. The Frozen Pirate by W. Clark Russell. Chapter Twenty Five: The Schooner Frees Herself all day long the weather remained sullen and still and the swell powerful i was on deck at noon looking at an iceberg half a league distant when it oversat it was a small berg though large compared with most of the others yet such a mighty volume of foam boiled up as gave me a startling idea of the prodigious weight of the mass the sight made me very anxious about my own state And to satisfy my mind, I got upon the ice and walked round the vessel, and to get a true view of her posture, went to the extreme end of the rocks beyond her bows, and finally came to the conclusion that, supposing the ice should crumble away from her sides so as to cause the weight of the schooner to render it top heavy, her buoyancy on touching the water would certainly tear her keel out of its frosty setting and leave her floating indeed so sure was i of this that i saw next to the ice splitting and freeing her in that way the best thing that could happen would be its capsizal i regained the ship and had paused an instant to look over the side when i perceived the very block of ice on which i had come to a halt break from the bed with a smart clap of noise and completely roll over only a minute before had i been standing on it and thus had sixty seconds stood between me and death for most certainly must i have been drowned or killed by being beaten against the ice by the swell i fell upon my knees and lifted my hands in gratitude to god feeling extraordinarily comforted by this further mark of his care for me and very strongly persuaded that he designed I should come off with my life after all since his providence would not work so many miracles for my preservation if I was to perish by this adventure these thoughts did more for my spirits than I can well express and the intolerable sense of loneliness was mitigated by the knowledge that I was watched and therefore not alone the day passed I know not how the shadow as of tempest hung in the air but never a cat's-paw did i see to blur the rolling mirror of the ocean the hidden sun sank out of the breathless sky tinging the atmosphere with a faint hectic which quickly yielded to the deepest shade of blackness the mysterious desperate silence however that on deck weighed oppressively on every sense as something false menacing and malignant in these seas was qualified below by the peculiar straining noises in the schooner's hold caused by the swinging of the ice upon the swell. I was very uneasy. I dreaded a gale. It was impossible but that the vessel must quickly go to pieces in a heavy sea upon the ice if she did not liberate herself. But though this excited a depression melancholy enough, Nothing else that I can recollect contributed to it. When I reviewed the apprehension the Frenchman had raised and reflected how unsupportable a burden he must have become, I was very well satisfied to be alone. Time had fortified me. I had passed through experiences so surprising, encountered wonders so preternatural, that superstition lay asleep in my soul and i found nothing to occasion in me the least uneasiness in thinking of the lifeless shrivelled figure of what was just now a fierce cowardly untamed villain lying in the forecastle i made a good supper built up a large fire and mixed myself a hearty bowl of punch not with the view of drowning my anxieties god forbid i was too grateful for the past too expectant of the future to be capable of so brutish a folly but that i might keep myself in a cheerful posture of mind and being sick of my own company took the lanthorn to the cabin lately used by the frenchman and found in a the chest there among sundry articles of attire a little parcel of books some in dutch and portuguese and one in english it was a little old volume the author's name not given and proved to be a relation of the writer's being taken by pirates and the many dangers he underwent there was nothing in it to be sure that answered to my own case yet it interested me mightily as an honest unvarnished narrative of sea perils and i see myself now in fancy reading it the lanthorn hanging by a lanyard close beside my head the book in one hand, my pipe in the other, the furnace roaring pleasantly, my feet close to it, and the atmosphere of the oven fragrant with the punch I had put there to prevent it from freezing. I had come to a certain page and was reading this passage. Soon after we were on board we all went into the great cabin where we found nothing but destruction two scrutors i had there were broke to pieces and all the fine goods and necessaries in them were all gone moreover two large chests that had books in them were empty and i was afterwards informed they had all been thrown overboard for one of the pirates on opening them swore there was jaw-work enough as he called it to serve a nation and proposed that they might be cast into the sea for he feared there might be some books amongst them that might breed mischief enough and prevent some of their comrades from going on in their voyage to hell whither they were all bound i say i was reading this passage and not a little affected by the impiety of the rascal for whose portrait my dead frenchman might very well have sat when i was terrified by an extraordinary loud explosion that burst so near and rang with such a prodigious clear note of thunder through the schooner that i vow to god i believed the gunpowder below had blown up and in this suspicion i honestly supposed myself right for a moment for on running into the cabin i was dazzled by a crimson flame that clothed the whole interior with a wondrous gush of fire "'but this being instantly followed by such another clap as the former, "'I understood a thunderstorm had broken over the schooner. "'It was exactly overhead, and that accounted for the violence of the crashes, "'which were indeed so extreme that they sounded rather like the splitting "'of enormous bodies of ice close to than the flight of electric bolts. "'The hatch lay open.' i ran on deck but scarce had passed my head through the companion when down came a storm of hail every stone as big as a pigeon's egg and in all my time i never heard a more hellish clamour there was not a breath of air the hail fell in straight lines which the fierce near lightning flashed up into the appearance of giant harp-strings on which the black hand of the night was playing those heavy notes of thunder i sat in the shelter of the companion very anxious and alarmed for there was powder enough in the hold to blow the ship into atoms and the lightning played so continuously and piercingly that it was like a hundred darts of fire violet crimson and sun-coloured in the grasp of spirits who thrust at the sea all over its face with swift movement of the arms as though searching for the schooner to spear her the hailstorm ceased as suddenly as it had burst i stepped on to the deck and t'was like treading on shingle there was not the least motion in the air and the stagnation gave an almost supernatural character to the thunder and lightning the ocean was lighted up to its furthest visible confines by the flames in the sky and the repeated explosions of thunder exceeded the roaring of the ordnance of a dozen squadrons in hot fight the ice coast in the east and the two score bergs in the north and west leaping out of one hue into another and were my days in this world to exceed those of old abraham i should to my last breath remember the solemn and terrible magnificence of that picture of lightning-colored ice The sulfur-tinctured shapes of the swollen bodies of clouds bringing their dark electric minds together in a huddle, the answering flash of the face of the deep to the lancing of each spiral-dazzling bolt, with the air as still as the atmosphere of a cathedral for the thunder to roll its echoes through there was a second furious shower of hail and when that was over i looked forth and observed that the storm was settling into the northeast. whence i concluded that what draught there might be up there sat in the southwest. nor was i mistaken for half an hour after the first of the outburst by which time the lightning played weak and at long intervals low down and the thunder had ceased i felt a crawling of air coming out of the southwest, which presently briskened into a small steady blowing but not for long it freshened yet and yet the wrinkles crisped into whiteness on the black heavings they grew into small surges with sharp cubbish snarlings preludious of the lion's voice and by ten o'clock it was blowing in strong squalls the seas rising and the clouds sailing swiftly in smoke-coloured rags under the stars the posture of the ice inclined the schooner's starboard bow to the billows and in a very short time she was trembling in every bone to the blows of the surges which rolled boiling over the ice there and struck her "'flinging dim clouds of spume in the air, "'which soon set the scuppers gushing. "'My case was that of a stranded ship